Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This month is Metal Month. This week we're covering Converge. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with. I'm Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. A nice calming intro to that was come loud, into. Louder than I anticipated. A very calming intro to come into the Converge episode. And how did everybody feel about listening to Converge? Not great. Yeah, I thought so. I felt as about as good as you could expect with, with that just... <coughs> that's how it felt. Listen, Don't ever do that again. That was really loud. Do you remember Man. earlier when I told you? Look at that. Oh my god, that, that was that so was loud. Like, why did you do it and how did you do it? It's like a you're like a bird. Kind of was like know. a Jurassic a, Park just He's a bird of prey. Ooh, Jurassic Park. I think Dax might be a bird. I felt or a or a Jurassic it could type be. creature. A Jurassic both. a Jurassaurus. I felt pretty good about it. Could be it. a rumpasaurus. It could be. I felt pretty good about Converge myself. Did you? Yeah, of course. Oh thank goodness. Of course so, I did. I was reminded of a couple things. What were you reminded of? I was briefly reminded of, well, it comes into a deeper discussion of genre, genre, sure. placing them in a genre. The metal genre is maybe perhaps not the perfect fitting. Not really. But to it's, them. but that, yeah, well, we, it depends on when you want to have that discussion. Right. Uh-huh. So, but I was reminded of Refused a little bit. Sure. And even more so, I was reminded of, in the music, not the lyrics, of course, of Death From Above 1979. Mm, that makes sense. Which is also kind of a weird genre group. Yeah. So. Also a little bit of Fear Before the March of Flames. They're pretty good, too. Sure. So, yeah. I don't know. Death From Above was a group that I was like, this is going to be a good point to bring up to try to figure out where Converge fits. They fit in a very odd place. I would say. And I feel as though most listeners, most general listeners, most casual listeners, and I will say it now, and I'm fine with it, I get it, it's fine, are not going to like this. No. And most people on the podcast don't like this, which is fine too. No, we're at half. Half. Half and half. Um, it, it, because of the fact that it is very, very aggressive, very, very loud, very, very messy, yet calculated in a lot of ways. But it's something that not a lot of people will listen to. But I think that it is an important aspect and area of metal to cover, personally. Uh-huh. I think that, like, because I chose this group, uh, which should not surprise you at all, because I like to pick things that nobody likes. Um, but I, I think that this is an area of metal that does, in fact, shockingly, exist and is worth talking about rather than just talking about the realms of metal that maybe people are more accommodated to and are more comfortable with. But yeah, it's metalcore. Metalcore. Yeah, it's more hard. I mean, like it's a mixture of hardcore punk and metalcore. Kind right? of. I think it's I, I more. Don't. It's also well, they are they supposedly they're the a divine the defining group of metalcore. Hmm. Yes. So, but you know, so okay, when you read their genres on Wikipedia, right. The first genre is metalcore. Yep. The second is hardcore punk, which is the one I found they really fit in least. There, well, I can definitely hear hardcore punk in there though. I don't hear hardcore punk much at all. Mathcore? The tone, the tonality of the guitars is totally not hardcore punk. Like it depends on what instrument you're listening to punk. mainly. What what instruments are most prominent in hardcore punk? You've got two. Like like some of the way the drums go about it uh, fits really well. A little bit of the guitar kind of does fit more. It depends know, on what the structure part... of it sometimes. Which hardcore punk group would you compare them to in terms of tonality, I guess? I wouldn't have a specific group, but just like elements. I can see where it would be compared to it. If you, It depends, though, on which tracks you're taking from, though. If you're taking the general sound of Converge, which is a very heavy, very abrasive metal sound, you're not going to find it. But if you take more of their like alternative songs, they're more really hardcore punk songs. If you take a song like a single tear off of a dusk, the dusk in us, or if you take a song like I'm give me one, give me one. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Let's, well, let's play that one specifically. Let's play just the beginning of a single tear and then we'll see if it has a hardcore punk sound to it.
I, mean, I would consider it closer, but it still doesn't really. I, I just don't know if it fits that genre for me. Well, it's, they don't really it's fit even anywhere. Post hardcore, but... which we've talked about before, it definitely fits post hardcore more, which is one of one of the genres. On so finishing yeah. the list out is mathcore and post hardcore. Right. So it definitely fits post hardcore much more than yeah. hardcore punk. Yeah. And it and math. I'm not sure that it. Fit. Mathcore is difficult because math rock and post hardcore are like brother genres. Right. You know what I mean. So and every time. It brings up a bit of a discussion of utilizing core in genre creation. Right. Just core in general. Right. Because it's more... Post-hardcore, hardcore, well, you have, metalcore. You got hardcore punk, which is hardcore. It, hardcore is meaning hardcore punk. When, right. we, when I was young, I said hardcore music before I you know, was decided to educate myself on the realities of how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Hardcore was just like screamo, basically. That's what people used it for, where I'm from. I'm not saying this isn't a general statement. Sure, sure. This is where I'm from. People used it. But it's not. It's because hardcore is hardcore punk. Right. Post-hardcore is the music coming out of hardcore punk in the late 80s. Yeah. And it's a specific type of genre. Then they just used core, added on to things, to really mean like a version of metal. Just heavy. But it's, yeah. But it, post-hardcore is not a genre that's like, you know, so hardcore things, punk and yeah. post-hardcore don't fit into where those things are going most of the time. So many things fit within. It's it's very odd that so many things fit into the. Really, if you think about it, hardcore at this point as a genre just means something that is heavy more so than heavy metal. Heavy metal has a very distinctive sound yeah. to it, where hardcore is just kind of like if this has a heavy sound, if you hear people screaming, if the guitars are distorted, right. it's hardcore. Yeah, really, you're not hardcore. Unless you live hardcore, right? That's true. Damn right. You're you you bet, boy. But I'm I'm also straight edge, so watch out. Metalcore or m- metallic hardcore. It's yeah. a fusion of extreme metal and hardcore punk together. That's yeah. what it's mm. right. But I don't I mean that's so difficult. Like that that definition is no longer existent. Right. Because right. a, a day to remember is considered. A, a metalcore band and converge and, they, and a data remember a do not no but they're not no, they a data remember is not in the least an extreme metal band no or no. even a hardcore punk band well, that's they're what, a pop punk band that's what i'm yeah. getting and at. a and a uh and a metal band yeah we right. it, that's what i'm getting at is they've totally changed it like you know hardcore and and i remember people growing because i was a, a kid who wanted to play punk and like whatever and i had friends who joined who created a a hardcore band, as they called it. And then what they played was not hardcore. It was just like blah metal. It was just and that was just louder. Yeah. And that was it. It really but it didn't embody any of like the characteristics of the genres. So it's kind of thrown around weird. But they fit into metalcore. It makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I they, feel like I, this... they feel like they defined Right. They did. And that it's but I don't know. It's I very feel... difficult. They're not metal. I feel totally. like giving them a genre at all is kind of missing the point of what they're trying to do. Right. Like the whole DIY thing that, that well, Tyler's... That's punk. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, it's super DIY. Yeah, I think... If they, it, honestly, that's if That's where the is, hardcore part of it comes from. If there is any group in my mind that defines the DIY feeling, Converge is one of them. Well, Fugazi is my choice on that Well, one, of but, course it is. Yeah. I knew that. But, like, they make their own artwork. Right. They produce their own albums. They, like, they do their own shit. Well, they like, were formed in 1990. Right. So, like, they're coming... That's where they're coming from. They're coming from the yeah. DIY They're coming time. from... That yeah, whole mentality as far punk. as their genre, too. I think they kind of, like... Took the genres they were ha- they they had already, but that didn't fit them. So they just kind of created their own well, thing. That and that was really... the time to do it. That was a right. Re- I mean, that happened all over. That's when post hardcore came forward. That's where we're starting to, like, certain people are are breaking out of. Um, you know, grunge is already like hitting, almost. Almost. In the late 80s and early 90s, grunge is already hitting, and people are breaking out from that even some. Yeah. You know, because you have something replacing it in the underground scene. So, that like, that's an era, the late 80s and the early 90s, of, like, really a separation from certain things and creation of some underground music that's, like, interesting. And that's where these guys came from. Right. I mean, they're underground musicians. The, it was never an underground band in the beginning. Which is also odd because... Go ahead. They also came from Salem, Massachusetts. They did. Known they did. for the witches. That's right. They got they witch. They got witch blood in them. Mm. But it's odd. That it's my new band too. Witch blood. Witch blood. 
they good. they come out of be negative the early <laughs> '90s, but they really didn't break out until 2001 with Jane Doe, which is very odd. That's correct. I know that because you guys didn't listen to any of their early work, right? No, I didn't think so. So I listened to all of all of their albums just to get a sense of things. It's really not vastly different if you listen to their two previous albums. Um, Petitioning the Empty Sky and Whenever from uh, When Forever Come Crashing. I didn't listen to Halo in a Haystack because it had like a thousand copies that were released only on vinyl, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna look into that. It's fine. But like, Petition the Empty Sky and When it, When Forever Comes Crashing, both of those albums, they really don't sound vastly different, just underproduced. And really, it came when Blue, the guitarist for the group, started doing the producing on the albums, which he did on Jane Doe, mm-hmm. that you saw a big difference. But it really is their their classic album when you look at a converge album it is jane doe their 2001 release and that is one of their heaviest releases and it's surprising that so many people did pick up to that album and enjoy it because you wouldn't see that being an album that people would really enjoy because it is messy and chaotic and loud and scary and blah but they have maintained a career from 2001 on for almost two decades making similar-ish music. I know, Jared, you felt that you really didn't hear a lot different from these albums. Yeah, a lot of them mesh together. Like, I I, I listened to basically all... I listened to Jane Doe um, separately, and then basically I listened to every album from then, from the, the first album on, right. just in a row, yeah. to try and knock it all out, basically. <laughs> just get get it over I, I didn't. I mean, it's, it's hard to have time, you know, sometimes to do it. Sure. So I had time, and I said, let's just listen to all three hours of this. And I was playing basketball on my PlayStation, watching, yelling at the TV, and listening to Converge. I got pretty, you angry. Yeah, Kale was like, you are you angry? I'm like, yes. Well, I'm listening to metal music, and I'm getting the hell beat out of me in this game. So it's pretty good. I, I heard a little bit of difference in some of those. The first two and the last one, I think, sounded the most... Like those are pretty much the same thing, mm-hmm. just put together. And then the ones in the middle were a little bit different, but no heroes, axe to fall, and all we love. We I, I liked axe to fall. Did I you? Pretty, I thought it was all right. I'll actually, I'll tell you, my favorite song is Ooh, on please. axe to fall. Go for it, cruel bloom. Ooh, I've, that makes a lot of sense that you pick cruel bloom. I, somehow I found something uh, prior to even listening to it, and mm-hmm. I, I'll just play the song and I'll tell you what it is when you play it. So would you like to speak to that song in particular, Axe to Fall as an album, or whatever you had in mind? That song uh, in particular. Cool, go for it. So uh, that, what I read, I think by looking at the albums or something like that, I'm not exactly sure I saw it. Mm -hmm. Basically, they called that uh, like doing their best Tom Waits. Yes, the Tom Waits-esque track. Doesn't it sound like Tom Waits? A little bit with the vocal delivery and the uh, carnival-y kind of uh, mm-hmm. music. I, I liked yeah. that. And so I knew it was gonna, like, without even listening to any of the albums and without even really listening to that song, I knew it was going to be my favorite song. Because that it was like, sense. I was just waiting for it to happen. So I listened to that song first. Mm-hmm. And then, like, before listening to anything, I was like, this is the thing I found. Listen to that song. Yeah. thought it was good. Then listen to all the albums. And then once that song came on the album, I was like, this is the thing I listened to before. That it's gonna be, you know, good. Yeah. So, did and you did you look into Axe to Fall at all? Did you do any research on it? No. So, Axe to Fall is actually a collaborative album that they did. Mm-hmm. They did like a ton of collaboration on Axe to Fall. They had people from Cave In, the lead singer Stephen Brodsky. Stephen Brodsky. They had the um, the lead singer of the band Genghis Tron. Pretty good on that track. Oh, okay. That was the lead, that wasn't the lead singer Bannon, 
who did the vocals on that song, Cruel oh. Bloom. That was actually the lead singer of Genghis Tron. Oh, my God. But there's a ton of people who were collaborating on that album. It was really the whole album. They had different instrumentalists and vocalists that were doing songs with them on that. Their first tour in support of Axe to Fall in 09 was the Metalocalypse tour. Yes. Which was sponsored by Adult Swim. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's pretty Wait, sick. Did, did Death Clock go of on tour? Like, of course they did. Of course they did. I didn't of know they toured. They oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a real it... band with real musicians. Brendan Small. Brendan Small, yeah. He actually does the band? Oh, They man. do all of it. He I makes think, all of it. So I think I did look into Axe to Fall because on the Wikipedia page, if you go down to the bottom of where it says, it's talking about the collaborations, and it says, mm-hmm. and actually it's uh, Steve Von Till of Neurosis, mm-hmm. not the guy from, well, Oh, no, that's right. That is Steve Von Till from Neurosis that does that. Who performs track. lead vocals Gingas on the Tron slow Tom Waits-esque track, Cruel Bloom. That's, that's where correct. I saw it, and then I was like, okay. It is Neurosis. And my, my bad. You it was Genghis Tron who did other songs <laughs> on that album. But wow. It also, another, because they're very collaborative. They, they've, done, they've done several splits. They have done several things with Cave In. And then also they had uh, like a live performance. They did as Blood Moon, if you looked into that, which has Chelsea, um, Wolf. Chelsea Wolf, and then Stephen Brodsky of Cave In, Stephen Ventil Neurosis, and then members of Converge doing like live performances of their music, and it sounds very different from their usual yeah. performances. Well, of their Chelsea music. Wolf is a kind of an interesting artist. Chelsea Wolf is a very interesting artist. She plays a her. plays a jazz master. Does she? She does. Wow. Who knew? I did. You did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they've been very collaborative, and Axe to Fall is the perfect example of that. It's really the only album where they do something like that, where they have so many different artists come in. But it shows that they are... Because uh, what I enjoy about them is is that they've become such an important and big act in that scene of music and were capable of trying to put the spotlight on other artists in that scene, like Kaven, like Neurosis, who would never, never have that kind of spotlight without Converge doing something like that. So one of the band members is the producer of their music, right? Baloo, Which one? yeah. Uh, does he produce for those other bands? Like, is that how they got them on there? Or? They He's done production. So this is definitely worth talking about, because I think that something that's really cool is the DIY aspect of them. And the fact that Baloo has done a lot of the production. He's done the production for all of their albums since Jane Doe. He's been involved in that. Baloo also was... He has some kind of um, recording studio. It's called... God City Studio. God City Studio, which has produced a ton. A ton of music. I read... I think it was on Pitchfork, which I know you're going to shit on, which is fine. Pitchfork named him like the modern Steve Albini in terms yeah. of like metal music. Well, what about the Steve Albini, Steve Albini? Well, there's that guy too. But, the one that's still alive and making music. But if you – I will I will name things that will make people recognize how important Baloo's production is worth. He Plus has, all that stuff that he did with Mowgli. Of course. <laughs> of course. The bare necessities are worth speaking of. He produced a bunch of – Albums from Converge, almost all of them, but he also produced the album Forever by Code Orange, which I think is a great like example of somebody like picking up the realm, the the just taking the the reins of Converge and taking it forward. They also he also did the album. Um, let's see, one that Jared will very much enjoy. He did Four Years Strong. Okay. He produced a Four Years Strong album. Uh, he produced Which one? Re- four Years Strong, their sixth oh. album. Oh. He produced a recent, really well-received metal album by High on Fire, Electric Messiah. He produced... Pretty good. Um, High on Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, Steven Brodsky's in Mutoid Man. They're pretty good, too. Mm. That is true. He produced... Uh, just a bunch of a bunch of stuff within this vein of music. I'm not going to get like super into everything, but he's been doing a lot of production, and then also the he plays lead a singer, jazz master too. You know, of course he does. <laughs> he uh, does. The lead singer um, Bannon does all of the artwork for the group. He's well, not all of it, but predominantly he does a lot of the artwork for the group. He's done a lot of also interesting artwork through his like him doing art. 
he did um, a version of They're Only Chasing Safety from Under Oath, which I thought Jared would find interesting. He did um, the artwork for, which is called Never Mind the Bombings, Here's Your Six Figures, uh, EP by United Nations, which is the artwork that looks exactly like the Sex Pistols album. Yeah. He did, um, let's see, some other some interesting stuff. Uh, I found another. Oh, yeah, he did An Ocean Between Us by As I Lay Dying. He did the artwork for that one. I will. He, I'm going to. He, did. he also did artwork for Fall Out Boy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I couldn't find an album that he did, but there's a list of bands for whom Bannon has designed for, and he's designed for Fall Out Boy. He's designed for uh, Norma Jean. Ooh. He's designed for Sepultra, Shadows Fall, Scars of Tomorrow, Rise of Fall, Poison the Well, As I Lay Dying, as I already mentioned. Every Time I Die, he did... Um, Oh shit! Which album was it? Why are we doing this? True. He's just done some interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you know, Baloo produced stupid uh, the self-titled album by Norwegian metal band Kvellertak, uh, and the artwork for it was done by John Baisley. Oh really? Yes, it was. I found that you oh. know two weeks ago when we did Baroness, I found that album actually, and now uh-huh. I'm on a list of his metal of month. Baloo's. Yeah, Metal Month alum. I could have said it. I say it now. Metal Baroness. Month alum. Yeah. It's not over yet, but they've been done two weeks ago. Go listen to that, because I can plug my episode now, like Jared did last week. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I'm looking at a list now of his, you know, some more of his uh, um, production yeah. creds. That's the word. So, yeah, that's interesting. I do want to talk about vocals. And, more, and by vocals, I mean vocal delivery. Yeah. Because I feel like... Sometimes, so this is like this has become a very prominent form of vocal delivery, yeah, in the genre and in metal, not even just in metalcore screaming, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I feel it, it loses something mm-hmm. that's for me, like I can't understand what you're saying most of the time, right? <laughs> for well, I just read that. Jane Doe was critically acclaimed for its poetic lyrics. And I'm I, just like, I love that. Didn't you tell um, me that he doesn't even know what he's saying half the time? He just kind it's of. It's not that he doesn't know what he's saying. It's that he doesn't say it. So yeah. if you look at, okay, so if you look at like the first track of the album from Jane Doe, Concubine, it's like a minute and 19 seconds long. And literally he says four or five words in the entire song. But if you look at that track on the lyrics, the lyrics read, and I quote, Dear, I'll stay gold just to keep these past at bay, to keep the loneliness of nights from claiming you, and to keep the longest dove days from waking you, for I felt the greatest of winters coming, and I saw you with seasons shifting from blue to gray. That's where the coldest of these days await me, and distance lays her heavy head beside me. There I'll stay gold, forever gold. Those are all the lyrics that are written on the album. None of them are used yeah. the, in the, the actual the liner, album. The, the liner note lyrics are not what's in the song. Why are the lyrics even there? Like, Great question. They, they're just poems. Yeah, they're just poems that they're coincide poems. with the album. There's a guy who... I, I mean, was, you're, um, you're nearly listening to instrumental music here. Yeah, you know, because because the, the way the vocal delivery works is is just like another instrument. It's really. very percussive. Yes, and it's just you know, it doesn't add. It's not adding meaning through words necessarily. Not always. There are definitely points in their albums where their vocal delivery changed, though. Well, if of you course, look at on Jane the song Doe, that we listened to, you know, they do it. There are different. I mean, you're not always going to sing that way all the time, right? You know. Well, they did on Jane Doe. Other than a couple small instances like distance and meaning, like right. they have a couple moments where they right. do kind of like some like. It's almost like spoken word, but in this weird delivery that's still incomprehensible. Yeah. But they do a lot of like vocal delivery like that later on in their music. But Jane Doe, I agree, is almost completely incomprehensible. You can't understand right. almost any of the lyrics on the entire album. Yeah. So it's like I don't – sometimes for me it just seems like I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's worth it to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just depends. I don't have a – I like it sometimes. I don't like it all the time. 
And it's, sometimes I'm just questioning. But it's very prominent now. Yeah. You know, it's become prominent. And it's not like screaming existed before, but not to that degree. No. You know, not in that way. So to think of like a genre that's... I mean, there's like genres that are holy... Like, you know, what is screamo? It's not really a genre. It's just a type of singing. Yeah. But it's pretty prominent. I know lots of people who wanted to do it. I know people who... I know two people, in fact, who are vocalists in bands that scream. Mm-hmm. They're both screamers. One of them is in a decent band, and one of them is not very good. <laughs> good but sell. Let's name them, them both, and we can figure out which but one of them. But one of them either. is on a, a major label, or you know, a, a sizable label on Victory, and one of them is not on anything that I know of, really. Mm-hmm. So, Victory is pretty solid. Yeah, Victory is fairly. It's kind. Of, it's not really niche, but it has a corner. It has a its place in the. Sure. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, it's I don't know. Um, what do you think? I guess I'm. It's I'm kind of trying to state it as a question. I've stated my opinion on it. I know you don't like it. Co- Dax, Jared, I'm sure that you're not particularly fond of it. I didn't like screaming uh, growing up at all in terms of music, but I've kind of uh, learned to appreciate a little bit more. I I like. I like when I can understand it, like you were saying. Uh, Keith Buckley of uh, the band Every, Time, uh, I Every Die. Time I Die is known in the metal community as one of the best screamers in metal. He's like, exceptional, like, yes. He's like, if, if when there's some lists and, and things where you're, because he's understandable. Yes. And and he's good at doing that thing. Shockingly understandable, honestly. If you listen to an Every Time I Die song, it's not hard to catch the lyrics of what's going on within that song as compared to other. Because really, that's one of the biggest things where you listen to like a metal group who does screaming. And they're like, I don't understand anything they're damn saying. And it's like, that's what people say to say this music is not worthwhile. Yeah. Well, it's just another layer. That's what those people are missing. It's just another another layer to the sound. The thing about it is, is that this music is so uh, heavy in terms not only you know oh, gain heavy, but yeah. it's very it's very like deep. There's lots of lower register sounds, and they may be perhaps they're using some type of really overblown distortion with an octave pedal or something, right? You know, everything is very deep. That sometimes it's you have to have a layer that's a little bit higher. That screaming is like higher up to try to like even out a mix or whatever, you know? So it just adds another layer to this whole thing. But that is, I mean, that's a pretty typical criticism is you can't understand what these people are saying. Right. So well, what's the point? But I never understand what people are saying in songs. And yet I still, yeah. not, not a huge fan of it. Very good. I, I'm not just generally, uh, I, I, I like some screaming, uh, just something about his delivery just didn't connect with me though. I have a bit of uh, interesting fact for you. Sure. Jane Doe, the album, came out September 4th, 2001. Mm-hmm. You know oh, came out that day? Toxicity. Toxicity came out the exact same day. Did it? Oh, same yeah. day? Same day, September 4th. Wow, that's cool. The next week. Two important metal albums the next came week, out in the same like System week. of a Down, number one, Jane Doe. Not on the record. Not on that. No, no, not on the billboard. Not on that billboard. They well, have, I mean, they're probably on there, but no, that album did not. No, that album did not chart. But a lot of their albums have actually charted. Surprisingly, it, it is odd that you would see a Converge album on the Billboard charts. Well, that's but not that are. odd. No, because not not a lot of albums are released in a given week. So if you have any right. kind of name notoriety. Like, okay, so Jane, people say, okay, Jane Doe, this is the best thing. And then yep. they make another album. They're like, hey, this is a band that made the best thing. We should right. listen. And then they're on, yeah. they were on a, a few labels that people knew. Reprise? Uh, hold on, let me find it again. Well, I mean, no, they were not on Reprise. They were on Equal Vision, which is relatively popular. They were right. also on Epitaph, which is yeah, very they were popular. On Epitaph, yeah. Right. And they were on Death Wish, which is their label. Yes. Uh, also known. It is Epitaph. That's right. Yeah. The Night Wish. <laughs> Anyways. No, my. Well, you know what? Speaking of like better and better, <clears throat> they're one of the. And this is this is simply due to my lack of looking. But you know, I've looked at Pitchfork regularly at various artists and their yeah. discographies, and this is one of the only ones that gets every release that's on pitchfork is better than the last one. Yeah. Until you get to the most recent release and then it drops. Dusk and us. 
It drops, yeah, slightly from the one before, but they're just like, this is better, and this is better, and this is better, and this is better. Pitchfork really likes Converge. Yeah, they do. Honestly, they've like, given them consistently good reviews, mm-hmm. and they have praised them quite a bit and recognized like, the talent that is associated with Converge that a lot of people, are, I, I would argue, are missing, but I understand why they're missing, because I don't... I don't see people listening to this music. I don't see people enjoying this music. I don't see this music charting because Dusk and Us was like 69 on Billboard. And I was like, that's shocking that their music would be able, it, namesake aside, that their type of music would be able to chart in the Billboard. Well, and it's also about the label being on a, ma- a not a major, major label like right. you know Warner or whatever, but a label that has any kind of like credibility they're going to push that. So, like, if they would have had nothing, if they only would have had their own label, then they probably wouldn't have had the marketing and the finances to be able to push it. Right. But if you have – if if, a, if there's a new converged single and the Epitaph YouTube channel puts out that music video, right? then enough people are subbing to that to see, oh, Converge has a new – hey, uh, uh, metal whatever website is mm-hmm. going to say – Converge is coming out with a new CD, uh, new single coming. Like, those things are not coming out if you don't have any kind of push by label. Right. Uh, if you don't have, uh, I mean, they maybe would if you had no notoriety. Like, for instance, nowadays, remember, they weren't on a label, but they were before, and yes. they pushed the crap out of them, and then they. They were on Rise, correct? I thought they were on Victory. That might be right. I think anyway, that's Victory. Yeah, they were on Victory. Anyways, but they were pushed by Victory. Then they became independent and didn't want them to make money off of them anymore. But they still had the name that Vic, like they were popular because they were on a record label. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to continue to make music to uh, sustain their livelihoods based on the success on that label. You know, if you're just an up and coming band and you don't have that push, you're not going to be able to make as much money. Because it's very difficult, especially in metal, where like DIY and coming up, like for instance, a band that I like, Knock Loose. Oh, Knock Loose. Loose. Okay, yeah, yeah. Knock Knock Loose. Another good like they were known. Well, they were known for their live performances. You know, like how crazy their live performances are, and so that word of mouth kind of spread. And it didn't necessarily matter whether they were on a label that was going to push them or not, because yeah, that word of mouth notoriety of being a good live band because they came from kentucky you know yeah. not the most well-known metal no area <laughs> not but, a not a metal center but it's all. not even about like necessarily where you come from it's mm-hmm. about how far you can push yourself with a tour also right. how much money can you put into it how much money can you put in your gas tank and continue to have your trailer go to the next city and have you know be willing to sleep on couches and things like that to to continue you know like to get your band widespread enough because you might not be pushed in Kentucky, but if you can get out to, you know, Arizona or Colorado or whatever, where maybe a scene is bigger, if they can hold on to you and be like, Hey, this is really good. Then it can just like push you to the next level. Right. Which is probably what happened. Part of what happened with Converge. I don't, I don't think Salem, Massachusetts is, you know, the most well-known metal city, but it actually works out really well. You know, like being from Salem, especially in that early, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily matter as much now, but in the early '90s, coming from there, that gives you a little bit of some credibility, some clout. I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of stuff in Boston, though. Mm-hmm. Right, like that scene. Prob- oh yeah, probably. Boston probably did have a pretty decent metal scene, I would imagine. But I mean, it's not as though metal, like this form of metal, has never, never, and never will be a popular genre when it comes down to it. It's not a genre that's ever going to take off. It's not a, it's not a sound well, that a lot of people are looking that's for. That's a relative state. I mean, this genre, in my experience, me growing up, the people that I talk about music with, this is a very pop, This is a hugely popular genre. You know, I mean, I grew up with kids who listened to music like this. Right. And kids, and I'm from a small town in southern Indiana. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'm from... You know, a city where you get exposure to those things. People, I mean, 
I know people who listen to music like this. I know people who are in bands like this. Yeah. A buddy of mine at work likes Converge. I told him we were listening to Converge this week. And he's like, oh, have you listened to Jane Doe yet? He loves that album. Yeah. And he's from Batesville. Yeah. You know, so. I did. I remember, I remember one time I went to a party and they started playing Converge at the party. And I was so fucking confused. I was like. Where am I? Like, yeah. they're playing Jane Doe right now, like, at a place where college students go to have liquor? <laughs> Crazy. Doesn't make sense to me, but okay. They're doing it. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I don't think it's not, not, I can't, like, the popularity of the genre is there. And also, I think the popularity of the genre kind of lends itself to kind of like an occult situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like a cult fame. Because... If you if you've chosen that you like heavy music and you like screaming, yeah, I feel like one of the like one of the issues is any music that includes that you now like, whether it's of the same. And I'm not talking about. I don't. I don't agree with that. No, no. I'm talking about like young people, like people who are into it. Like if you've liked that, you know, there are people who are discerning. I'm more discerning. You're more discerning. Sure. But if you get into like a group of people and you're listening to this type of music, if you like converge. There's a good possibility you're going to listen to other music that's like you know you may be you may listen to mathcore you may listen to other vo- versions of this stuff yeah you know I don't know though because I think that people who are going to be looking for that screaming style are probably going to be looking for something that's better pr- produced if they were to fall upon like the early albums from Converge they probably would be like this sounds awful. But if they fell onto something like Jane Doe, they'd be like, okay, this is cool. But I I think they, they, there's still a, a necessity for something that sounds well-produced in terms of this music. And I do think that that's something that lends its hand to Converge is that their music is very, very well-produced. And everything does, while sounding messy and heavy and aggressive, sounds very clean and sounds very well-produced. So I think that people are going to enjoy something because of the fact that it has screaming in it. But I think they do need something that sounds well-produced at the same time. Oh, sure. I'm just saying that, you know, that's that's people's lending to it. I mean, if you like this, you're going to like... Like, that's where you're going to get to. Yeah. You know, the popularity of the scene is going to be coming because people are listening to other stuff that has the same, you know, some of the same elements to it. It doesn't have to be the same genre. That's kind of my point. Is like the popularity of this music in my experience is like if you like this music, then you're gonna listen to all sorts of music where people are screaming. Right. And that and like that's just what you're gonna be doing. Yeah. And that's not the only thing you're gonna listen to, but it's gonna be pretty predominant. I mean, like I said, I know a handful of people that that's where they were. That's what they listen to regularly. Oh, one of the guys I know who's in one of the bands, that's what he listened to regularly. Right. Um Although not good versions of it, but, you know, he listened to it. I mean, that was me. Like, I know that, I mean, that's why I would pick a Converge is because I think this is something that's worth highlighting. When I was, like, younger in the scene, like, when I first started finding, like, bands, like, because this is what's popular at the time was, like, Devil Wears Prada, Day to Remember, Amir, Amir, so on and so forth. I dug the shit out of the Acacia Strain, which is not a super popular metal. Hey, they just had a recent one come out. They did last year. Yeah. It was like the very end of last year. I listened to it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I've always really enjoyed this like heavy style with like really, really raw, like screaming vocals. But when I found Jane Doe, I was like, there's something different about this. Right. Why it's always, I've always been drawn to Converge as someone who has been considered like one of the big acts in this metalcore genre. So I don't know. We have not played music in a little bit. Tyler, <laughs> do you have a favorite track? I, I, I would say I understand like, again, this is not music that like does, it doesn't come. I don't want to say it doesn't come naturally, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like music that you would typically listen to. So I understand that sometimes this music blurs. I understand that tracks are going to end up being hard to pick, but maybe there's people like who have favorite converge songs. Maybe. Well, let's play Thaw, I think. Thaw.
I really like Thaw. And the math core ensues. It is. It's very mathy. Yeah, like it it, is. when it comes down to it, a lot of people will not recognize that a lot of their instrumentation is, is very, mathy. very mathy. Yep. It's it's like very well put together. It's not just a slew of angry, messy, ugly sounds. There's a lot of actual. It's not like, ugly, Jared. Can I say something you won't like? Sure. So. Each individual part, I like. Oh, you mentioned this. Go ahead. Yeah. But when they're put together, it's just, it doesn't feel as cohesive as I want it to feel. Yeah. Like, it feels like each person is doing their own thing, Mm -hmm. but they didn't come together and create something together. Right. Like, they're just, they're parts to, like, not a whole. I respect that you say that, and I have no problem with you saying that. Because I know that it's wrong. Because they have been doing music for like 20 years together and yeah. making music together. They've and had like I the same lineup it... since Jane Doe, right? Yeah, they've yeah. had the yeah. same lineup yeah. for 20 years. And I'm like, they definitely like come together and put no, this No, I know together. I'm not right, but that's I how know. I feel. Oh, like, I understand. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm like, you're... No. Yeah. <laughs> what you said is wrong. <laughs> Don't say it anymore. I And I understand. Again, I totally recognize this is probably going to be like... This is more polarizing than swans. Like, no one's going to like nah, this. I don't think it it's more polarizing than swans. You don't think so? No, I don't. At well, least... swans has more uh, critical acclaim <laughs> sure. than what Converge does. Swans, I mean, I they do have it. Yes. And, but swans has a lot more albums that are uh, critically acclaimed than only Jane Doe. Needle Drop is going to suck their dick to the end of the time, man. But they... He, Fantano actually likes Converge as well, surprisingly. I know, I know. Well, but he did the Jane Doe thing. I wouldn't That's call one of the that surprising. Why doing this. Hmm? I wouldn't call it surprising that he that he likes Jane Doe. Not at all. No. No. What did you say? I said that that he re. You were telling me about him redoing reviews, and one of them mm-hmm. was Jane Doe, and that was one of the catalysts for us doing it this week. It did remind me of my love for Converge. I will agree with you on that. So yeah, yeah. I wouldn't claim. I mean, what's what. What is critical acclaim? Who is the critic? We've we've because, got this so because many times. the reality is, I mean, if you use well, pitch, you're using if pitchfork, you use pitchfork you're using, as, well, if uh, I use pitchfork, metal blade if or things like if that. If I use pitchfork as an example, then every album after Jane Doe is critically acclaimed, including right. Jane Doe. It, they, the ratings go up and up from Jane Doe. Even on. Jane Doe's not super critical. Jane Doe's ask, like a seven seven. On but if pitchfork. you ask somebody else about Converge, the first thing they're going to say in the same way that we've talked about it for the last however long is keep going back to Jane Doe. That's because everyone's first popular album is always going to be like that. You know, your first release you get that blows up like that, that's critically acclaimed, that people latch on to, that's how it's going to be. And especially if it's an album that comes before all the rest of them. Because then they're going to like, this is where you need to go to. If you want to listen to Converge, this is where you need to go, right here. Well, what's odd, though, about Jane Doe is that it's their fourth album, and nobody gave a shit about their first three at all. Like, there was no there was no kind of pull between those three. And when they hit Jane Doe in 2001, which was over a decade after they had formed as a group, because they formed in 1990, and that album came out in 2001, did they get any kind of critical acclaim? And then all of their albums then forward were pretty well received. There's something about Jane Doe. It's not just like this is their first album it really landed. It's like this is their fourth album that really, really landed for some reason because it's honestly really fucking good. And everything then then forward was well-received because they recognized what was going on with that group. From my perspective, again, I'm very biased. I like Converge a lot, well, so once I'm going to sing their praises. But Once you break through, they're gonna people are going to pay attention to you. Right. Until you suck, then they'll quit paying attention to you. True. But you know that's what happens once Jane Doe once a Jane Doe lands, you know people are anticipating that next release, and if it's good or in this case, you know not better in my opinion, but better critically, mm-hmm. it's just you're going to be following the same trajectory, right? Until you just make something that's garbage. Yeah, Dax, did you ever land on a favorite track? Ah, uh, it was very hard. I know. I'm still not positive if I have a favorite track, if I can call any of them a favorite track, but because you didn't love it. It's not exactly that. It's just no one track stood above any other, really. Sure. Uh, but I did like Trigger. You went with Trigger? I think so. Trigger it is.
a sucker for a tasty bass line. Of course. That layering's so. awesome too, isn't it? Because as soon as the guitar comes in, it just turns into a groove. Mm-hmm. That's a sweet intro. Their production is great. Blue is a great producer. Bear or not, he's great. Baroness. Bear or Ness. Bear or Ness. Two weeks ago, give it a look. <laughs> uh, it is. It, we've really covered mostly Jane Doe, Axe to Fall, and very briefly The Dusk in Us. We've really not gone through the discography very heavily. But I, uh, and I understand, again, I'm going to say this probably every time that I mention this. I understand this music is not for everyone. I don't even have a bum album. I think all of their albums are pretty good. Well, no. Because really all of their music is pretty it's similar. It's pretty similar. You're so maintaining if you like, the same. If you like the sound of their music, yeah, then you're going to like probably all of their albums, theoretically. Yeah, yeah, it is all pretty. I mean, I felt all we love we leave behind, I found. Uh, something was a little different on that one. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. But that's their that's their most in terms of pitchfork their highest rated album right eight like point six yeah eight six eight eight something like that yeah and but it there was something different to me I don't know what it was I need to spend more time with it but that one was a little bit different for me the rest of it did kind of flow together a little bit for me in when in terms of listening mm-hmm. you family and the heroes kind of did mm-hmm. and. I went back, I went all the way through, and then I went back and listened to Jane Doe again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it all, I mean, I don't know, it's just all pretty consistent. It's pretty consistent. They're putting out good music that's written well. And there are some slight changes or a little bit of this or that, but it's also not a genre that's known for that type of thing. It's not known for a lot of changing, necessarily, I guess you could say. Right. They definitely incorporate, like I said uh, earlier, they definitely incorporate more different vocals. They have, like, there's, like, a couple moments, again, that are, like, kind of anthemic, like, hardcore punk moments. They have these, like, spoken word moments. They even have, like, and this is, I find it very odd that they go in this direction, but they even have a little bit of, like, sludge metal on a couple of their tracks, like like um, uh, "Under Duress" is a good example of a song that's very like sludgy and slow and really like I don't know it just it's just interestingly paced, but a lot of their music again is just this fast paced adrenaline rush of just heaviness, and so you have a lot of music that sounds very similar, but they have these kind of moments of just like shifting in different directions that happens throughout their music. Yeah. Well, we, and I can't remember who we talked about this with, but we've had, we had the bit of this discussion before where sometimes it's not always, it's about creating consistency and creating not really a shift, but moments of a surprise or intrigue within an album itself. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the next album, you can do the same thing and not in the same way as on the album before. Yeah. Right. So that's a way of like, changing and growing in and of itself even though the core like tonal qualities the core sound and songwriting isn't dramatically different from album to album right so i think that's something that they've done a pretty good job at um swans is similar but it's more like in segments right mm. uh, using that as an example as well like in the periods of swans sometimes it's like that yeah but collectively obviously there's a bit of a you know a pretty dramatic shift so, I think they've done a pretty good job of, I mean, they've definitely done a good job of maintaining the quality yeah. of the recordings, of the music, of the writing, and I think they've done a pretty good job of making it interesting throughout the way as well. I mean, yeah, I don't know how, I think how you choose one album over another album, if you were to, let's say, I want to buy one, mm-hmm. I want to own one of these, and I maybe I want to own two of them, but I don't want to own all of them, you know? You just have to, if it's not a nostalgic factor, which it could be for some people, you just have to determine like which one's got a couple of tracks that you really stand out to you on it. Right. And that's about all you can do. You know what I mean? Well, I guess that's really my like closing question because, again, Jane Doe is really considered their like magnum opus, if you will, of their albums. Do you concede to that as like when you listen to this where you're like oh yeah i could see that jane doe would be their like most well-received album and everybody's gonna really like this album or did it all just completely blend to you to the point that you didn't care if jane doe was a an album that was received well that one 
Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I didn't. I did not think that Jane Doe was that good in terms. Like, I didn't right. think this is like a groundbreaking, best uh, metalcore album I've ever heard or anything. Mm-hmm. It just kind of was there, and then I kept listening. Yeah, and it wasn't until it kind of wasn't as metalcore that I was actually, you know, I mean, there's a few tracks that are interesting. Some chants, uh, which is a, a hardcore punk thing to do is chanting and very the backgrounds much. very much so very much so and then some clean vocals not a ton not some interesting um delivery and things like that but i don't know i didn't i didn't even really like jane doe so i don't really talking about how this is you know excuse me talking about how this is like uh you know the best thing since sliced uh uh, I'm trying to think of what would be metal sliced about. Sliced metal. Yeah. Sliced metal. A sliced heart. Sliced cornea. Hindsight. Uh, <laughs> Slicing the pie balls. Oh boy. Uh, I just didn't. I didn't think that it was groundbreaking. Worthy. Sure. Yeah. I Dax. Didn't, I didn't think Jane Doe stood above any of the other ones, but I, I think if I would have been like paying attention when it came out to that whole scene that i may answer that differently sure like, yeah I, I would have to like have more context to what was going on before it came out to really get that because that really the context is key because like in 2001 you really weren't getting a whole lot of music that was within this like aggressive wild realm did so we it, need it did we need it is a great question yeah you but... were, well for instance uh give me one moment to bring up an album in 2001, for instance. Toxicity by System of a Down. Well, sure. Well, that's a good... I mean, there's nothing wrong with that as a good example of the era. Yeah. You know, in 2001, that album came out. I mean, that is wild if you think about, like, how, like, new metal was such a popular genre in 2001, and then you have something like well, this going on in metal at the same time. Like, you don't see that. But. Well, you have other things like, uh, like Grindcore, for instance, with Napalm Death yeah. and... Uh, yeah. Oh, who Municipal else? Municipal Waste. Well, no, they were after. They were. Oh, were after. they after? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. where does it come? I mean, it comes out of what? You know, remnants of. In terms of metal in the '90s, like running up into the 2000s, we're dealing with more Megadeth. You know, and remnants of Pantera, Megadeth yeah. type stuff. Yeah. In the mid '90s, and then and it, you know, thinking about it too, Relationship of Command, which is known as like the great post-hardcore album of that time period by at the drive came out in 2000. In fact, it came out September 12th of 2000. Yeah. Quite funny, but, uh, only a year, before. only a year. Uh, but you know, that's, if you can, if you've ever listened to that album and you should listen to that album, everyone should listen to that album. Well, I'll everybody at this you. podcast should have listened to this album, but not everybody on this podcast did listen to this album. Well, well, what album was it? it? The at the drive-in album at the drive-in relationship of command. We oh. were gonna pick albums for the post-hardcore week, and you picked didn't you picked it, Tyler? I picked that. Drive-in. Who listened to that one? I did. You so I've listened, listened to that album it. multiple times, and he listened to um, you listened to Emergency and I. Yep, and mm. you listened to Q and point. not you. That's true. No kill, no beep beep. Post-hardcore man. It's Don't you recall the Fugazi I'm... week when I chose additional albums for y'all to listen to? Those are all good choices. Yeah. So, who was it that I had to do? What was it? You did. You did. You did an out. You did Q and not you. Yeah. You didn't pick one. I picked one. I know. Tyler picked it was all the Q albums and for not you. you. Yeah. By who? That's that band. The oh. album was No Kill No Beep Beep, which is I a have phenomenal n- album. <laughs> no so recollection very good. of his own podcast. <laughs> I have no recollection. It's so of his. very good. That album is so good. Maybe as well. you, maybe if you would tell me some lyrics, maybe. I would well, know. that okay. Uh, no, I don't. Anyway, know. so my point of it is Something. though is that even even post hardcore was like coming into that was like the last big album that they had. Right. It was their biggest album, and the last one. And post hardcore is like gone after that, basically right. almost. You know. So then what happens? So that's why it's so big. That's why Jane Doe's so big in 2001 is like, what do you have? Well, at the same time, though, you didn't see that like metalcore sound really no. pick up until 2008, 2009, when that became like the Warp Tour sound. Yeah, no, like, you did. Devil Wars Prada, right. and that was that stuff was in Everything like, within that realm of music. I well, mentioned those two bands already, but those were really the two mainstays of that time. Yeah, maybe 2007 is a would be around when I would yeah would be like oh yeah this is a more of a that's when I knew people that were starting to right and uh so it you know this thing was big at that time 
and this sound was big at that time. And it and it's like they had been doing that before. Yeah. You know, they had been doing that before over a decade. So it just happened to be that that's when it made sense. Yeah. Tyler, did you feel that just to to close out that question, did you feel that Jane Doe was different from their other albums or did you feel like that everything kind of blended? Um I don't know that I would say that it was it was dramatically different. I really liked You Fail Me too. I you thought Fail that Me was very good, yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. Did you listen to only the regular version or did you listen to the Redux? Only as the well? regular version. Okay. The Redux is pretty good. It's, yeah, I it's saw, not I saw it on there. I saw it on there, but I didn't I just listened to the regular. Yeah. So but I don't know. It's not even about it's just about what I said before. It was the first one. Yeah. That and stood it, out. And, yeah, and it blew out, and it stood out, and people will tell you to go to it, and it's like their big thing. And it, But it's just like anyone else. If you asked me what Modest Mouse album should I listen to, I'm going to tell you to listen to Lonesome Crown of West. Good and choice. And it's their best album. There's nothing that they've done that will beat it. Yeah. You know, but the Moon Antarctica is also really good. Right. So, you know, just, what can you do? Yeah, you know, people were gonna go go at it with what they got, and even if Moon in Antarctica was more well received critically and was chosen to be a better album, I'm the one who's telling people. Yeah, other people have to go find it and read. Modest, like, you know, Modest Mouse, our first uh, episode, right? Yeah, listen to that one fifty four weeks ago. Yeah, and just about. Yeah, Hold I was on. gonna say did just you know about a year ago. Exactly. They had they had a new song come out in November. Did you know yeah. this? Have you yeah, heard I did. it? Yeah, they're supposed to have a new album, new album this year. Coming, have yeah. you heard Ice Cream Party? Not yet, no. That song? Oh, man. Another not, another place. Yeah, not today. Not great. Not today. <laughs> not Probably today. not. Uh, um, I'm going to go and play my favorite track, and then we'll get into closing thoughts. Sound good? Yep. I'm going to play Homewrecker, because I, I personally... You're lucky. I almost chose that. I personally think that Jane Doe is their best album. I think a lot of... The, I, I don't see anything... I think that is very consistent. I like all of their music, but I do think Jane Doe is their best album, because that's what I grew up on listening to, is that Converge album, and I love this song, so it's fine. Gotta get that last shrill scream yeah. in there. Yeah, I almost chosen that song. It's a good song. And I didn't. It's a good James. Oops. And I will say Oops. there's definitely good songs on like all of their albums from my perspective. I could not stop listening to the song from uh No Heroes Sacrifice. Yeah, Sacrifice. I listen to that song a lot this week. I don't know why. But there's my, other good songs. Out. My sacrifice is a good song. Oh, from Creed. Oh from boy, Creed. from Creed, of course. Well, I just heard the news today. It seems my pants are gonna free. He's got leather pants and such. That's with arms wide open, you fool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyways, right. any, any closing thoughts on? You're Converge? right. It is. Any closing thoughts on Converge? No. Not gonna place top top of the no. year. No. Pretty good choice for a genre defining. I don't know. They obviously they they fit in metal, but where? So that's where it's at. But they work. They're, it's just a pretty good smash of different things to get an interesting sound. And it's made a new genre, and it's it's cool. It's cool. I would have preferred Mastodon. I understand, but uh, well, I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we did this instead of Mastodon. Actually, okay. Me too. Dax, closing thoughts? No. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. We've been listening to Converge this week. And next week, we're going to be talking about In This Moment. Check out our Patreon. Check out our Facebook Keep listening to our podcast. For the love of God, we need you so much. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.